The scripture today again comes from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Hear now these words from our Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for great fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jackson and I together have five children. We are very blessed to have five wonderful children. We also have grandchildren and even two great-grandchildren. And I know, I know what you're thinking. As I say that, you're thinking, golly, she looks young to be a great-grandmother, doesn't she? And I have to tell myself that regularly, too. Don't worry. If you've had children, or grandchildren, or nieces, or nephews, or you've been a teacher and you've dealt with small children, you know that there is a series of questions that children can ask that push you almost to the edge. And my children, when they were small, were experts at that. And if you think about these questions, you might know that most of these questions start with the word, why? Why? Mama, why is the sky blue? And it doesn't really matter what answer you give. If you give the nice scientific answer about the atmosphere and the way light bends and all of that, or if you give a really nonsensical answer and you say, well, the sky is blue because it's simply not red. It doesn't matter because there's always another why question coming. Well, Mama, if the atmosphere is such a way that the light bends, why, Mama, why? And, and Children can just nearly drive you crazy with a series of why questions. My children, one beautiful—excuse me—one beautiful Saturday afternoon in the late fall, down in way south Georgia. And trust me, in the late fall down in way south Georgia, fall lasts about 30 seconds, and I think we were enjoying that 30 seconds outdoors one afternoon. And one of my children started a series of questions. Why, Mama? Why is the sky blue? Why? 
And I finally thought I had the perfect answer to the why questions that would shut them down. And I said, honey, the sky is blue because God made it that way. And the next question was, well, mama, why did God make it that way? And I finally had to say, sweetheart, you are taxing my brain. Can you think of another question to ask? And he, he went away. And then I realized just a few minutes later, he was coming back. And I thought, oh dear, he's thought of another question to ask. He came and he stood right in front of me and he said, Mama, where does the sky start? And I thought about that a minute and I thought, I might can answer this one. Now, I don't know if y'all do this down here in central Georgia or even in south Georgia, but up in north Georgia where I grew up, if you want to have an idea of the direction the breeze is blowing, you just lick your finger and hold it up. Do y'all do that? Please tell me I'm not the only one who does that. So, so I said, let's see where the sky starts. And I licked my finger and I held it up and I said, you know what? I can feel the sky up here. He said, you can. And I said, yes, I can. Now hold your hand up as high as it can, as you can. And I, I lowered my hand to about where his hand was. And I said, I can still feel the sky here. Can you feel it? And he said, oh, yes, Mama, I can feel it. And I went down and I said, I can feel the sky down here. Can you? And he said, yes. And about that time, a little breeze rustled the grass. So I went all the way to the ground. And I said, I can feel the sky all the way down here. Can you? And he said, of course. Again, and I said that means that the sky starts right on top of the ground. And he had this look on his face like that was completely new information, like he was just really going to have to think about that for a little while. And I'm standing there. I didn't actually pat myself on the back, but I'm standing there thinking, Mama, that was pretty good. You did pretty good with this one. And, and then out of his mouth came these words. Mama, if the sky starts right on top of the ground, does that mean that we're living in the sky? And I thought, wow, the wisdom of children. And I said, you know, sweetheart, I've never thought about it like that, but you're exactly right. Yes, that means that we're living in the sky. And he just walked away shaking his head, and he thought about that. He pondered on that for months after that. I'm not kidding you. For months, I would look outside and see him walking across the yard, and he would stop, and he would look up. And if I could get to the door quick enough to open the storm door, there were times when I even heard him say, I'm living in the sky. Wow. That childish amazement and wonder at the thought that something that seemed so vast and so grand and so untouchable was actually right here around us. We're living in the sky. But you know, this sermon is really not about my children. I will tell you that there were Sunday mornings when we would all get in the car and head to church, and one of them would say, okay, who is sermon fodder today? So I learned not to call names, just to tell stories. 
But this sermon is actually about a story that Jesus told, several little lines that fit together to make a story. And again, he's telling parables, he's using parables. He's telling stories using very familiar things and making a point with those familiar things, causing people to think. And he's comparing very familiar things to the kingdom of heaven. Now, when we think about heaven, most of the time we think about where we long to be when life on earth ends. We think about something that is ahead of us, something that is way out there, something that we need to work toward, an aspiration, if you will, and we believe that through faith we will get there and that will be our reward. And yes, all of those things are true about heaven, but I want to call you today to consider these examples of the kingdom of heaven, and let's see if we can expand your understanding of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven being a mustard seed. Mustard seeds are tiny. They're very, very small. Some of you ladies may have jewelry, a necklace or a bracelet with a little glass vial with a mustard seed in it. I can remember those growing up. Mustard seeds are infinitely small, smaller than a poppy seed, and yet they grow to be a shrub bigger than I am. There is something inside that mustard seed that allows it to grow and develop into something much greater than the seed itself. And Jesus talked about bread yeast, yeast that works through the dough to, to create bread. How many of you tried baking bread during the global shutdown? There we go. I see some hands raised. Good for you. That was obviously a very important pastime as life was shut down because it was as difficult to find flour and yeast as it was to find some other things in the grocery store like disinfecting wipes, hand sanitizer, and even toilet paper. Flour and yeast were right up there. I bake bread, now I have a bread maker, and I put all the ingredients in and push a button, and three hours later I've got a wonderful loaf of bread. But years ago I baked bread from scratch with my hands. And I remember one Saturday I got up early, I made the, the bread dough, I put it in a big bowl that I have, and I covered it with a towel, and I had always been told you put it in your oven, and you turn the light on, and you close your oven, and that keeps the temperature very steady, so the bread will rise nicely. So I did that, it needed to rise for a period of time, I went outside, worked in the yard, came back inside, took a shower, got dressed, ran a whole bunch of errands, visited friends, and as I was walking back in the house late that evening, thinking about what I would have for supper, I thought about my dough. And I rushed into the kitchen, and all I could see through the little window in the oven was dough pressed as hard as it could be pressed against that window, almost with an accusatory look, if you can imagine dough having a look on its face. And I snatched the oven open, which broke the seal around the edge of the dough, and it immediately deflated. It took me a couple of hours to clean the dough out of that oven. A little bit of yeast had expanded to the point that that dough filled that oven. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. A little bit can cause significant growth, significant expansion. 
He then goes on and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man finds. And he finds it in a field and he buries it in that field again. And it's such an amazing treasure that he goes home and he sells everything he has so that he can come back and possess that field. I want to tie that little bit of a story to, to another story you heard Jesus tell. He's in, the, he, he's in the temple, he's got his disciples around him, and an old woman walks in and puts two tiny copper coins in the big kettle for the treasury. And Jesus points her out to the disciples and he said, she has given more than all of the people who gave out of their wealth because she has given all she had to live on today. The kingdom of heaven, a relationship with God, is a treasure worth pursuing with all you have, whether it's all you have to live on today or all you have for a lifetime. And then Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of a pearl. Notice that he said merchant. Oftentimes we skip past merchant and we go on to pearl because we've got treasure in our minds and, and we skip and go straight on to pearl, which is the treasure. But this piece is about the merchant. And we tend to like to connect these two pieces, but I want us to separate them just a little bit today. The treasure is something we can seek. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. We can seek that treasure. But when the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a treasure, suddenly we become the treasure being sought. And God is potentially the one doing the seeking. So the treasure we can seek, but we are a treasure in God's eyes to be sought by him. And then the kingdom of heaven is like a net that catches all the fish. When you think about a net, I want you to think about a seine. If you've ever been fishing, you might know what a seine is. A seine is a net that goes from the top of the lake to the bed of the lake, floats on top to hold the top of the net up, waits on the bottom to hold the bottom of the net down, pulled between two boats, or there's one person walking on the bank and a boat out in the middle of the lake, and the net is pulled, and it catches everything everything from the top of the lake to the bed of the lake, good, bad, edible, inedible, it catches everything. And then when you pull the net up, you have to sort everything out. And Jesus says, that's what will happen. The good will go one way, the bad will go another way. So now let's run through those just very quickly again. The kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed that has the potential for growth inside of it, for grand, amazing growth. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which causes growth. In whatever it's mixed in, it causes growth. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that we can seek, and it's also like we are the treasure that God is, has been seeking and will continue to seek. And the kingdom of heaven is like a net that measures us, good and evil. And in that measuring, the good is kept and the evil is discarded in the lake of fire. There's one thing I hope you noticed if you didn't, I'm going to point it out to you. There's one thing that you don't find anywhere in all of these descriptions of the kingdom of heaven. You don't find any reference from Jesus that these things are future, that these are out there, that these are things we wait for. Jesus uses the present tense. 
He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed right now. You can plant that mustard seed right now. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that works through dough, and you can use that right now. Jesus was telling us that the kingdom of heaven, although heaven is a wonderful place that we are waiting for, the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. And we are the ones to bring the kingdom of heaven into its fullness and its richness. Think about the Lord's Prayer. We pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We're not praying that that will happen sometime in the future. We're praying that that will happen right now and that we will be a part of that. So as you think about heaven, think about it as something still to come, but think of it also as being present right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven is grace, it is mercy, it is forgiveness, it is peace. How will we know when it has come? When we live with all of those things in our hearts, we know the kingdom of heaven is in us, like dough that is, like, like yeast that is growing us up. And, and when we realize that the kingdom of heaven is in us, then we can begin to scatter the seeds of the kingdom of heaven all around us so that it can grow in places around us. How will we know when the kingdom has he of heaven has come in its fullness? When all around us we see grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace in us and in others. Now I'm going to go back to the story of my children. I never tell a story without working it in somehow. My child spent months pondering the thought that we live in the sky, and he pondered it with, with great joy and childish amazement. What would happen in our lives if we pondered the concept that we live in the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, with the same kind of childish amazement and wonder? What would happen if we walked around looking up at heaven and thinking all that we think about heaven can be present right here and saying to ourselves, I live in the kingdom of heaven. Right now, I live in the kingdom of heaven. Would that make any difference at all in the way you live your life? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.